What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human beings too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how many years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual combo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. We are so grateful that you're here. So if you enjoyed this podcast and want to connect further, we invite you to follow along on Instagram at what the actual fork pod and subscribe, rate and review our podcast so we can continue to share this message with more and more people. Now let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of what the actual fork podcast, Jenna, what the hell is up? You know, I started to tell you this. I think it was, was it yesterday? When did we talk? I don't know what day it is. Yes, don't ask me what right? day it is. Yesterday, I think it was. Um, yeah, I got some things to talk about. How about you? I'm nervous. No, I'm, I'm nervous because you're heated. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I think it's an important conversation. So let's go there. No, I do. And, you know, do we want to start with it? Do, do you have a what the actual fork moment you'd like to share first? Yes, I do. Actually, okay. I texted okay, it to great. you this morning. <laughs> I texted it to you this morning. Oh, um, yes, you did. And my I, like, in, wait, but my brain was like, oh, that's so nice. They want to do, they want Sammy to get them away from what she's about no, to say. <laughs> no, that's not it at all. And it's funny because Anna, one of our, the girls on the Fine Food Freedom team, like, I don't think she knew I don't, I just don't think she understood what the email was even about. And I was just dying laughing. Me, so I was like, I just, me I and Anna are the same. <laughs> to you. No, basically this doctor's, it's not even a doctor's office. I mean, the woman was a PA that wrote the email. It, it doesn't even matter what their clinic's name is. And I'm sure there's a million clinics with this word in it. So I'm going to drop that word that it had the word longevity in it, which basically means they're like an anti-aging spa like right like these like spas yeah med spa fucking bullshit that's just like a diet culture spa basically because they're basically just targeting women's insecurities of aging and how do we make you look younger so they wrote an email to me basically that they're prescribing or putting a lot of clients on a semi a semaglutide which is basically ozempic or manjaro it's the main ingredient Correct. Yeah. So they're basically saying, hey, we're injecting all of our clients. And like, if you're at a med spa, like you're there, they those are the places that have cryotherapy, right? Like freezing off your fat and like. Not um, cryotherapy. It's called something else. Oh, oh, fuck. Oh, oh, um. Oh shit. I know. Cryotherapy is that, you know, it's what I'm when you go in the about. cold thing. <laughs> yes. Which I used to. No, fuck. What is it called? The f- wait, I'm looking it up right now. I know like, exactly live. what you're talking about. Hold on. It's making me. What are you typing in? Freeze your head off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, shit, shit, shit. Where is it? While she's looking for that, I did see an ad. I unfollowed this. Cool sculpting. Cool sculpting. Yes. Jesus. Sorry. Continue with your ad. No, I unfollowed a med spot. Not near me. It was where near to where I used to live. That was like, we are now injecting blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? 
Like, I mean, of course how, they are. Like, how is that legal? I don't know. Okay, but because these people, because these people are PAs or nurses or whatever. Anyways, yeah, cool sculpting where you freeze your fat off and you know Botox, which again, nothing against Botox, um, but like all these aesthetic things. And so they basically were like, we're putting our clients on all of these weight loss drugs. Like we're looking for a dietitian to refer to to talk to them about their diet. Can we send all of our clients to you? What are your prices what are your coaching what is your classes (laughs) what are your courses and I was like do you understand like I was like I should literally just respond to the email and send them my Manjaro series but like if you send me your clients like I'm literally gonna tell them all to leave your clinic and that it's all bullshit but anyway so I just thought that was hilarious because like do your research like how did you even get my info like I don't even know where in the U.S. these people are located but like I was, and I read it because I'm like, okay, so they've gotten Sammy's info. So they've seen her work and they want their clients to come off of this medication and implement health promoting behaviors. I guess I was wrong. I think you're wrong. I would assume when I saw the word longevity in their title that I was like, and you know, maybe I should do a little research, but no, they they were basically like, we're going to put people on weight loss drugs and we want you to tell them not to eat food. Like that's. That's what I was collecting from that. So anyways, that's my oh. moment of the week. Oh, that's so funny. I, so, okay. So I'm going to backtrack that over the weekend, it was brought to our attention that somebody did a review of our podcast, which is a free world. You can do whatever you want. And I will also say that we are humans. And anytime you hear feedback, it's, that's not positive. It's, it's hard. Right. So Mm -hmm. I did, I don't know why, but I did listen after I was warned not to, um, but I did listen. I still haven't listened to this podcast. So Sammy has more restraint than I do. I just don't, I just don't give a fuck, but I listen, but I care about you. So if it upsets (laughs) you, I want to hear. Well, I did listen and I listen again, feedback. What do they say? Failure is, I don't remember what the saying is, but all feedback is important. And I really do respect and appreciate feedback. And so I did listen to this episode and there was a piece of it that just really didn't sit well with me, given who our audience is. And in the episode, the person did listen to our first ever episode, which I need to make it very clear to our listeners at the time that we started recording, I was not an intuitive eating dietitian. Our intro was not, we are two intuitive eating dietitians. It was, we are two dietitian besties that want to talk about food. The drunk dietitians. Let's just say that. And we were drinking, we weren't drunk, but we were, you know, sipping on a glass of wine at one o'clock in the afternoon, whatever. Long story short, it is the credit of this podcast that took me over the fence to be no longer fence straddling and promoting diet culture and anti-diet culture at the same time, but to make that decision to do the work that I felt was most important to me. And it, I really just want to make that very clear that at the time, because one of the comments was that like Sammy had to keep correcting me because I was saying things the wrong way. I was learning. So I do want to hear, I do just want to put that out there. And also she did give us credit that our more recent episodes that we sound better. So I, I do take full credit for that because I do agree. But anyways, um, 
with that said, in the episode, she talks about, she kind of regurgitates my story. And maybe you and I do a, a redo of episode one, one day where we really talk full circle about the story. But in there, I talk very honestly about how when I was going through my disordered days and I lost my period for a long time and I went to the doctor's office when I finally got my period for the first time and I believe it was four years and I told the nurse that I had gained six pounds and her response to me at the time was like, let's talk about your weight gain in like a very negative way. Like you shouldn't have gained weight. It was my interpretation of the story. This, I want to be very clear, is my trauma that I've decided to share in a way to help other people feel less alone. And in this podcast episode, for anybody that did listen to it, she says that I probably misinterpreted what the nurse said and that it probably wasn't essentially as big of a deal as I was making it. And that really upset me because how many people's feelings are invalidated when they are trying to leave diet culture and they share something like this with somebody who maybe doesn't fully understand and the comments back send them back into a spiral of disordered patterns. And that is something that we here on this podcast are here to dismantle and we are here to support and hold space for people that have lived trauma and want to leave that space and heal and grow. And so I couldn't let an episode go by where we don't just bring attention to that. I don't care the comments that were made about my voice. I think my voice is annoying too sometimes. Sorry guys. <laughs> but Or any of the other comments that were maybe more surface level. I do respect that she validated our growth, but that is not fair because that's my lived experience. And anybody who is trying to discount your lived experience with a potential risk of sending somebody back into a disordered state is the definition of diet culture. Mm -hmm. So I just had to get that off my chest. <laughs> I love, I love that you shared that with us. And I'm sorry that you felt like you probably had to like relive that moment, like talking like about it sweating. and thinking about it. But I, I want to offer I'm trying to think of the way to say it I don't know if it's advice isn't the right word but I wrote when you were talking I wrote a pre that how you appreciate feedback and I appreciate feedback too like don't get me wrong I don't know if it was Evelyn Triboli that said this to me it might have been Fiona Sutherland I did some supervision with Fiona who we've had on the podcast but in an exercise like a reflection I did with them is they had me write down like mentors and people I look up to and colleagues in this space and like loved ones. So like, obviously like Luke, my husband was on this list and they were saying like, you do need to care when people give you feedback that are on that piece of paper. Hmm. But if they're not on that paper, they don't get your mental space. They don't get your bandwidth. Kind of like how, like with, with Evelyn, the, are they reachable? Are they teachable? When we're talking to people about wanting to hear intuitive eating, like the message of intuitive eating, like don't waste your time. If they're talking about how amazing the keto diet is, like going in and telling them how amazing intuitive eating is because they don't give a fuck. But I think like, I want to encourage you to think about too, like, honestly, I don't know who this person is. Like, I know you've shared with me who they are, but like, I didn't know who she was. I still like, don't even know her name. Or her business. Name. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but like, 
if she's not someone that you look up to and that you strive to be like, and that you like look at, and I'm going to use an example of Haley, who I talk about a lot, who is a good friend of mine, Haley Goodrich. In the beginning of my anti-diet kind of switch over, let's say when I was spent straddling, I remember Haley taking the time out of her a day to write me an email with feedback about how a post of mine missed the mark. Um, I don't even know if she remembers this, but like she called me in kindly, like firmly, but kindly. And I'm forever grateful for that. And she was on that list. You know what I mean? Like she was on that piece of paper. Anything that Haley says, I'm going to take that to heart. Cause I'm be like, oh shit. Like I missed the mark there. Um, and like, you're on my list, right? Like if you come to me and you're like, Sammy, like, I get what you're trying to say, but like this post missed the mark and here's why. So like, I just want to encourage you, like if this woman wasn't on your piece of paper, which I'm probably assuming she wasn't, cause I don't even know if we knew who she was before this episode came out, then like take it with a grain of salt and realize like how you and I always share on this podcast. Like it's about our growth and we publicly fuck up and share <laughs> so that people can recognize like go back and listen to episode one and now listen to this episode like it's night and day difference and I wouldn't want it to be any other way because I want to grow and evolve that was so good I'm gonna cry thank you Mm. that was really important and special and I appreciate it and I like I've always said I admire the way that you can channel out that noise um well, it's hard when it's constantly being thrown in our face, but unfortunately that is a part of being online. And like you said, sharing your trauma, like choosing to share your trauma, but people like, I think, didn't this woman also say like my sister died? Like I don't have a sister. Correct. So, and I understand that a part of my, my story, like literally yesterday was the 13 year anniversary of my best friend dying in a car accident. That's who I was talking about. But like, she, she said I had a sister, like, I don't have a sister. So like, I don't have a her facts weren't correct. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's all right. And but... it brings us back too to like the the message that I always try and share on social media that opinions aren't facts, right? That's and right. like her opinion of how I interpreted a story doesn't make it a fact, but it was publicly shared for other people to then listen to and opens that wound up for me again, which is yes. something that like, full circle. I've never shared this on the podcast before. I've never shared this with anyone really, but you, but like, we're now trying to have a baby again. And one of the things that that doctor said to me after that initial conversation with the nurse, you know, was all around that time of the doctor telling me that I was never going to get pregnant if I didn't get better. And so like, this is all so connected and full circle for me where hearing that on that episode reopened those experiences for me where I'm like, maybe this is my fault. I know it's not. We've been trying, you know, we're not pregnant yet and it's just going to take however much time it takes. But like, I can't help but have those thoughts pop back in from this person that doesn't know anything about me. Right. And maybe I mean, I'm giving it way too much attention now, so I will let it go. But I do just want to remind people that, you know, we are out here to help. We're providing a different point of view. We're providing conversation. We're providing you guys with conversations to have with other people to support arguments, right? And to have really cool intellectual conversations that are not the 
most searched things on social media are not what you're going to see the most on your FYP and making people feel supported and heard is our biggest intention of this podcast, but we're also two human beings with feelings. (laughs) Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's, I think it's an important conversation to have. And again, thank you for sharing something so vulnerable on this podcast, which I know I don't think you were planning to share. (laughs) Um, But you know me, I'm always down to talk infertility and just misinformation in the doctor's office and um, the harm that one simple comment can do to someone, whether it's about infertility, whether it's about weight, whether it's about your period, like it doesn't matter what it's about. So Woo. Yeah. I feel like we got to take a deep breath. And so I I do think that this brings us really well into the episode, not that we have to bridge it right away, but you know, we do talk about how we had after that episode came out, I went on, you know, our customer reviews of our podcast and we did have a poor mm-hmm. review that mentioned that we don't talk about veganism or vegetarianism. Um enough. And today's episode really goes into a lot of that, which I can't wait to share with you guys in a second. But I'm going to take this opportunity to ask our listeners, if you do like this podcast, if you enjoy these conversations, if you have something that you want to share about a moment that you felt supported on after listening to one of our vulnerable shares, anything at all, if you could like, subscribe, share, review the podcast, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, we look at them. We love to see them. We appreciate them. And we do take negative feedback as well. As you will see in this episode, we have dedicated this entire episode today to the discussion of plant-based diets. Yes. Thank you so much for that lead in. And I think, you know, we do want to just put a little bit of a trigger warning on this episode that the majority of people that listen to our episode are absolutely you know, interested in intuitive eating, the anti-diet space, health at every size. And so today's guest is so well-versed in how to eat plant-based on a budget, which we will talk about in a second. Um, but she is not a therapist, a dietitian, like somebody who is highly trained in intuitive eating or health at every size. And so there are some things that we talk about today that we want to make it really clear if if you have not made peace with food, if you do not, you know, if you have not gotten rid of the guilt or shame associated to food, some things in this episode may feel a little triggering. Um, when you go on an intuitive eating journey, eventually you get to a place where you discover principle 10, gentle nutrition, and may want to increase your nutrient density, again, because you want to, not because you have to. And so this is going to be a great episode for anybody at that stage. Cause I think we do get a, re- a lot of requests. I know you probably do too in your practice. I know I do of like, okay, I've made peace with food. I don't feel guilt or shame when eating X, Y, Z, but like, I want to incorporate more nutrient dense foods. What do I do? Boom. This is a great episode. <laughs> so just want to, you know, create that, that little disclaimer there. Um, but now time to intro our amazing guest who was so fun to talk to. So we had Tony Akamoto on, who is the founder of Plant Based on a Budget, the popular website and meal plan that shows you how to save dough by Mm -hmm. eating veggies. She's also the author of Plant Based on a Budget Cookbook and the co-host of the Plant Powered People podcast. 
Tony's work has been profiled by NPR, NBC News, Parade Magazine, and she's a regular presence on local and national morning shows across the country where she teaches viewers how to break their meat habit without breaking their budget. Follow her on Instagram at plant-based on a budget. And in this episode, Tony talks about a recipe that she makes that feels like a warm hug. And I just feel like the way she talked about food today felt like a warm hug. Um, and it was really just, it got me super excited to make dinner tonight. Yes. And I think something she shares in the episode, but I do want to mention is like, this is not an episode of trying to convert people right. to now be vegan. Um, and if you are a vegan, you do not need to feel guilt or shame for that choice either. It comes back to the intention behind it. And I think she shared, I forget the exact stat, you can correct me, was it 65% of her community, which she is in a massive community, Huge. says they still consume meat, but they are just interested in incorporating more plant-based foods into their diet. And when we say diet on this podcast, we simply mean like, what you're eating, what you're drinking, what you're putting into your body. Yeah. So I just thought that was a really cool stat to hear because Jenna and I, we both eat meat, correct? The last time I checked, you eat meat. Correct. Um, (laughs) And so like we fall into that 65% where like we still enjoy meat, but we're always looking for fun, new ways to get more plant-based foods into our diet as well. Okay, Sam, I just got a comment on a TikTok video that I posted literally a year ago and I have to tell you about it. I'm scared. I'm scared. (laughs) Don't be. I think you're going to love it. So this person commented on this video saying, I've been looking into a greens powder because I literally eat zero vegetables. It's a taste, texture, sensory thing for me. So I've always struggled with my nutrition. Okay. Well, this is perfect because we don't like BS greens powders, colon cleanses, shit from TikTok. We don't like meal replacements, but we do like AG1 from Athletic Greens. So why don't you tell people what it actually is? Yes. So AG1 is a comprehensive and high quality nutritional supplement made with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients. AG1 is also registered as NSF certified for sport, which simply means that what they say is on the label is actually inside the product, which is so huge for supplements. I love any supplement that is third-party tested because the FDA does not regulate supplements, which I think a lot of people don't know. So it sounds like AG1 could be a great product for this person and for anybody who just, like, if you don't like vegetables or just have weird texture, aversion stuff that goes on. So if you want to increase your nutrient density, today is a great time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com forward slash fork. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash fork. So without further ado, let's get into it with Tony Akamoto. All right, Tony, thank you so much for being here with us. We are so excited for this conversation today. I am as well. Thank you so much for having me on the show. We're so excited. (laughs) So excited. So many things to talk about. But before we dive in and talk all things plant-based, we want to ask you our number one question, um, whether it's something that's happened to you today, this week, this past year, or any time in your life that felt monumental, give us a what the actual fork moment, whether it's related to diet culture and like media and, or it could even be related to veganism or, you know, vegan in general. I, I have been thinking about this a lot this week and I'm not really sure why this week, but 
my path started because I didn't know about food and how it impacted my body. Um, It was just something that tasted delicious. Uh, And so I wonder why in the heck don't we eat, or I guess why in the actual fork, don't we eat, uh, (laughs) I'm sorry, don't we teach about health and wellness at such a young age. We skip that all the way until later on and you're out there on your own trying to understand how food impacts you or um, how exercise impacts you. These are not things I was taught growing up and I also had such a limited uh, palate. So I wish that I had learned what kale was or butternut squash uh, and had the ability to touch different foods and explore them at an earlier age than when I did. I didn't learn about food and how it impacted me until I was maybe 16 years old. That's it's so interesting that you say that. And I have to give Sam and I like a little plug because when we both worked for ShopRite, um, a grocery chain on the East Coast, we used to run kids' classes, oh. which was so fun and so rare. Um, so it's interesting. I love that, you, that. I just remember one specific example that I gave. I gave a presentation. I think the kids were fifth graders. And I remember like putting up like pictures of two different plates. And one of them was like, my intention was to show like how we can add color into the plate. And one plate was like, chicken fingers, French fries, and like something else that was like a beige color versus chicken fingers, French fries, and then like maybe cucumbers and tomatoes. So it had more mm-hmm. care, like color in it. And all that I was like, what do you see as the difference? And I'll never forget this. <laughs> Like I would never eat that one, (laughs) which now as a mom of a two-year-old, it's like, I am serving that chicken fingers, French fries with the tomatoes and cucumbers and it's coming full circle and he's eating it. So thank you for adding that in. (laughs) Thank you for your work and doing that. It's so important. And I, um, I remember watching this documentary called the place at the table. It was about food insecurity and, and, um, and some of the problems that people face when they when when people have good intentions and maybe want to give a family produce but the family doesn't know how to use the produce and so you don't they don't need it uh and so that type of work where you're making children at a young age familiar with what it is how to use it how you can eat it it's okay to eat it plain even um and building that place in their palate is really beautiful in a long-term way. I love that. And I, can I just say that when you were saying that, of course, agree wholeheartedly. And Jen, I love your full circle moment there too, with our, our shop, right plug, but how many things that we should be teaching or learning at a young age, like, okay, doing your taxes, maybe not like as an elementary kid, but I think about things that like I became an adult and I'm like, I don't know how to get a loan. I don't know what taxes are. I don't know what a mortgage is. Um, Can we talk about emotional intelligence? Like just being able to name what we're feeling and what we need. So it's like, can we just restructure the entire education system? Like that might take a long time to dismantle, but that's what I was like going through my head. I'm like, yes, Tony. And here's like 50 other things I could have really used some help on. Exactly. And there's such a need for that in the public school system. You can go into the private school system and find some of that being taught in certain places, but the majority of children don't have access to those types of things that could benefit them long-term. 
So, so true. And Jenna, I want you to bring up real quick. I feel like it's a good time to bring it up. Talk about Noah's homework. Was that Noah's homework or your client's homework that was so, sent home? There was a client of mine who sent me a DM last week, actually, of she saw it in her areas. I'm not going to drop the name because it's infuriating. Her area's mom's Facebook group for this particular school that her daughter, who's in first grade, was sent home with. Apparently, it's because a lot of disgruntled teachers messaged me. Apparently, it's reading homework and they had to like pick up on patterns. But essentially, the sentences that were strung together were about this woman named Beth. Beth is fat. Beth eats a lot of hot dogs and essentially how did Beth get thin by not eating hot dogs and drinking only broth. That was the flow of the paragraph and the follow-up question. Beth got an eating disorder and let's send this home as a reading pattern. (laughs) And the follow-up question was how did Beth get thin? So it said Beth is fat and then how did Beth get thin? And I was like, I messaged her right back right away. I was like, can I share this please? And she was like, no. And I was like, please let me like, she's like chop off any of like the, the writing from the school. And I was like, no problem. And wow. Like, can you imagine if the homework assignment was patterns of how vegetables were grown in a garden and the color of food and the texture of food and the mouthfeel of food. And like, I'm just, I can't. That's really shocking. It's like, uh, there's, there are no words for it. Like, what do you even know? How did that happen? Well, moving to something more positive. I apologize. That was like a that was like a what the actual fork moment of like Tony's that then just like expanded into ours as well. So that was like one big what the actual fork. It's it is wild. And actually, what's even more wild is all of the people that messaged me afterwards, like, look at what my daughter came home from school with, and look at what this one. It's horrible. But Tony, you are coming on the podcast at the most perfect time. You have a new cookbook called Plant Based on a Budget, and we have very recently, Sam and I did a deep dive into our um, reviews on Apple Podcasts. And we have one reviewer that was disappointed that we have a lack of discussion on vegetarianism and veganism. And I feel like this is, you are the perfect person to educate more on this. And just before you do that, tell us a little bit more about you. I am Tony. I'm from Sacramento. I have a wonderful dog. Uh, His name is Eddie. He's a a pit bull and I love him so much. Um, that's pretty much it. Just kidding. I, I've been running plant-based on a budget for 11 years now. It has been a passion of mine. I've been really interested in helping people understand that they're not sentenced to type two diabetes and uh, heart disease because of their financial status. I have experienced in my own family that thinking, and it has been very, very saddening to watch people suffer from amputations and heart attacks at a very young age. I lost my aunt um, to type 2 diabetes and I lost my grandfather who raised me to um, uh, complications in a triple bypass surgery after heart attacks. So it it has a very deep place in my heart. And then I got into vegetarianism first because I was a runner and my coach uh, asked what I was eating because I was feeling really ill all the time after practice. And I was eating a lot of fast food and processed foods. And he suggested that I start eating more vegetables and cut down on my fast food and and also um, think about 
more nutrient rich foods. Uh, and I was like, what is that? Like, I don't understand what you're talking about right now. Food is for tasting. Um, and so that was my introduction. And I began to learn more about the ethical components of it. And that's what got me got me going long term. And something that I heard over and over and over is I can't afford to eat vegetables. They're very expensive or, or fruits are very expensive. And meanwhile, I, up until I would say about five or six years ago, lived below the poverty line. And so I was both learning how to make ends meet on my own and teaching how to, how, how I was doing it. And it was a, it was a beautiful thing. Uh, it is a beautiful thing uh, to stretch your dollar and to show that fast food is not cheaper. It's actually more expensive and you can feed a whole family. If you think about it, or if I think about it and share my resources um, for $6 for the whole meal. And that's what I've spent my last decade doing. This is such an exciting conversation for me specifically too, because I just had a client this past week where we're at the stage in his journey where he's made peace with food. So a lot of our listeners still have to overcome the guilt and shame with food. And some of them actually need to eat fast food to come to kind of overcome those morality hurdles with food. But once they get to that place in their journey where they've made peace with food, they come to a place where like, how do I increase my nutrient density? Because I want to, not because I have to, and it, you know, it's a diet or anything like that. And so with this client, we've been talking about ways to increase his nutrient density by adding more fruits, vegetables, et cetera. And he was like, I also like want to know about budgetary things. So I'm like, Tony, this is literally <laughs> her book. So we want to ask you and like get the best tips from you for our listeners. If they're at a stage where they're like, they want to implement, maybe they are vegan, maybe they are vegetarian, or maybe they just want to incorporate more nutrient dense foods into their everyday. What are your, some of your biggest tips to do that in a simple manner? I usually recommend starting with a meal plan and I know it's so simple and overstated, but I feel like in my own life, if I am budgeting, I stick to the meal plan. And once I don't have that in place, I make more impulsive purchases at the grocery store or I, I make a stop at a at a restaurant or something like a Chipotle uh, after work. I used to have an hour and a half commute. And if I didn't have that meal ready for me at home because I planned it, I would not make my goals happen. So um, having that meal plan, first starting with what do you have in your pantry and your refrigerator and building off of that so that you're not going to the grocery store and buying an entirely new pantry's worth of food. That can be really expensive. I also recommend shifting your mindset when wanting to save money and to understand that you can still eat foods that are familiar and delicious with simple swaps. So um, lentils are so inexpensive and I often use those as a replacement for beef. And uh, one example that I actually just ate last night are lentil tacos. So I can still use all of the same flavorings. I still have a the protein in my meal and I top it with all of the same things, lettuce, tomatoes, avocado, if you want to. Um, 
and the the texture and the flavors are there, but it's cheaper. So those are some of the ways that are top level. But once you're in the grocery store uh, with your meal plan and with your grocery shopping list, make sure you stick to it. It's so easy to toss things in. Ooh, this is on sale. Ooh, this looks good. The marketing there is fantastic. They get you uh, with their colorful packaging and the way things are laid out in the grocery store. Something that I learned a long time ago was that there is a lot of paid placement at the grocery store. And I didn't know that. I just thought, wow, that's on sale. That's why it's front and center. But often that's paid placement. And if you go to the aisle and say, maybe you're looking for tomato or like marinara sauce and this big brand name is right there, a dollar off. Um, if you go to the aisle, you'll likely find the store brand one that's cheaper. And it's often not at eye level because eye level is often, or it's not often, but sometimes paid placement. So you have to pay attention at the grocery store to things like product placement and marketing strategies and um, also price per ounce. And I know it sounds like a lot, but once you get into it and you do it a few times, you're just like, okay, price per ounce, that's cheaper. This is the one I'm going with. And uh, that's for beans and tomato sauce and all these things that you wouldn't even think. You brought up so many points (laughs) that I'm like, I first of all got lost in your lentil tacos because I had like one thing I wanted to say and I was like, wow, that sounds really good. Um, But I have to say that last week for the first, I was feeling super overwhelmed with our own meal planning at home. I feel like I make the same thing every single week. And last week I wrote out like Monday through Friday, Friday sushi night, every Friday. So Monday through Thursday, like what our meals were going to be. And for me, like exactly what you're saying, the proteins are what if I don't purchase it accordingly, they either go bad because I don't use them or I don't have them when I need them. And so having that list made such a huge difference. And it is such an easy thing to do that can save so much time and stress. And so from a anti-diet perspective, this type of meal planning is so productive and health promoting, which is a stigma type word in the diet culture world when they hear meal planning or meal prepping, right? It can be misinterpreted, but having this type of discussion and planning laid out can make all the difference. So the other thing I wanted to go back to that you said is in the beginning, um, a couple minutes ago, you talked about this meal for $6. So you've given so many amazing tips, like end caps, by the way, big dollars, the end of the aisles, like they want to sell that product. Sam and I remember those days, but you talked about making a meal for $6. Can you talk about what that would look like? <laughs> yes, I actually made one. I, I go to, uh, I surveyed my audience where people are grocery shopping. And the number one place my audience shops is Walmart. So I took a trip to Walmart and I started looking for meals that I could put together that were nutrient rich and easy and quick. And something that I just made based on a recent trip was a split pea soup. Um, I bought some carrots, some Walmarts have, and and some grocery stores have them loose. So you can buy them loose or you can buy a two pound bag, which is usually around a dollar or so. Uh, And so I, I took some carrots, onion, celery, 
and garlic and I made a base and then I added some vegetable broth and split peas and it was a really thick soup and it was hearty and perfect for this cold weather that I've been experiencing. So uh, that I think came out to somewhere like 538 or something like that for buying all of the ingredients that I needed. I didn't have anything. I bought everything at the store and that's what it came out to. I ate it by myself for um, probably six meals. And what I recommend doing with that is starting, if if you are that kind of meal planner, making one big pot, uh, starting with a very simple first day. And then the next day, take a spoonful in your bowl and add lemon juice and hot sauce. And then the next day, take a, a spoonful and eat it with, I mean, a, a ladle full. Uh, a ladle full and eat it with um, maybe some nutritional yeast. So it's now got a cheesy flavor. And then the next day you can do a hickory smoke in there and have a smoky split pea soup. So you're not hating split pea soup six days later, uh, which which can happen. Uh, I've, I've done that with lasagna and with uh, big pots of pasta or chili or curries. And this is a way for me to have a different experience and not put in a lot of effort each day. That is so helpful. And you're speaking absolutely to, to our listeners as well. When we talk about food habituation, eating the same thing over and over and over and getting to a point where it's like, ugh, like I never want to look at this again. And we don't want to ruin, you know, split pea soup or any food for that matter. Um, So what about people that maybe aren't as comfy in the kitchen and the idea of cooking just Mm. feels like very daunting, very overwhelming. And just maybe like also the time, like I hear so much from people about they don't have the time. Right. And so what tips, if you have any for people who are newer to the kitchen and, and saving as well? I have a couple of tips that have helped me because when I started plant-based on a budget, I was really, really strapped for cash. I didn't have a lot of money, but I had more time. And it was I was able to make beans on the stove for two hours. Uh, now I don't have that time. I have um, a little bit more money to spend. And that allows me to do things like buy canned beans. And there are... Um, so many beans still available in cans. You can get kidney, uh, pinto, black, you name it. Th- th- there is a canned version. So if you've got a favorite, we've got you covered. Uh, but a meal that I throw together often or a couple meals that I throw together, together often are I'll do my meal prep. That is instead of making a big pot of soup, I'll just make rice. It, I have a pressure cooker, but you can make it on the stove. I'll do a, a, a batch of brown rice that's budget friendly. And then also I'll buy um, maybe some tortillas, a can of beans and some salsa. And I'll whip together a quick burrito at lunchtime because I don't have the the time to make a, a full meal in the kitchen. Another thing you could do a hummus wrap. Uh, with just chopping up some vegetables, or you can, if if you have that in your budget to buy shredded vegetables already, so many grocery stores make, make it convenient for you with the pre-chopped vegetables that are already washed and cut and you just toss them in. So that's, that's a way that I get around that. 
Another way, if you don't want to go that route and you still want to do part cooking, cooking from scratch is make the most of the time in the kitchen. If you're cutting up an onion, cut up multiple onions and then store them in your refrigerator uh, so that when you're making your next meal, everything's chopped and you can just toss it into the, um, the pan to cook. And I do that all the time too. Sorry, I couldn't unmute fast enough. Um, those are so, so helpful. And one thing that I do want to go back to that you said, I'm obsessed with your idea of how to make the same meal taste different, because that's something that I talk about all the time, like at nauseam, that like, that is how you make food more fun. And what you've described is simply one ingredient that you can add in to a base to make the meal taste completely different. And I just want to make sure that point is driven home because I think that is what prevents people from taking the time to make the one big pot um, or from doing it out of an act of self-care because they're worried that it might send them back into perhaps disordered habits. I hear that a lot. And I think that when the intention of meal planning is that self-care and saving time and stress, and you have ways to add things in to make it more fun and enjoyable and pleasurable, that's everything. So I just wanted to thank you for that comment. <laughs> thank you. I, I also wanted to add that having the right tools in the kitchen can make or break your experience. And when I started, I didn't have anything. I had my parents, the knives that they had used for 20 years that were all like butter knives. Uh, and I had just, I all of my Tupperware were um, reused containers. And you don't have to have the highest quality stuff, but if you are going to invest, the best tool in my kitchen has been my pressure cooker. I have an electric pressure cooker and it has made it so that I can have beans from scratch in an hour instead of multiple hours on the stove. And I can also walk my dog while I'm having those on the stove, or you can throw together a meal, a full meal of chili or curry or many different many different things in that instant pot while you're doing your chores or putting together um, a plan for the weekend for fun. And it's just, it has revolutionized my cooking. Thank you for bringing that point up. And I think it's important for people to hear that, that they don't have to have the top of the line things. And I think sometimes like it, we can also... It, it kind of carries over into that comparison trap of social media. I think sometimes we'll see like these beautifully crafted photos and be like, my cooking doesn't look like that. Or like, you know, my meal doesn't look like that. It doesn't have to, right? Uh, a lot of times there's like a fake marble slab under the yes. picture and a <laughs> ring light and, uh, you know, like, and I'm sure you, it, it's, it'll probably be, I would love to ask you this question. Like, do your photos look so different now than when you started your page? Oh. And obviously they're, gorgeous now. Um, and that's so important, but how has your page changed and shifted since you started versus where you are now? That is a great question because when I started, all of my electronics were broken and like hand-me-downs. And so I remember I had a laptop, but I had to prop up the top of the laptop because it no longer stood up by itself. And I had a, like a flip phone and the flip phone was also my work camera. So it was just all not 
the best and it, I made it work and I feel like it helped people realize because my food wasn't really beautiful and styled that that was doable for them like Psh, yeah I could pro- I could definitely do that uh and I actually have over the past year gone through and rephotographed almost everything because I got a lot of complaints. I thought I'm just going to leave it there because that's real. Uh, but people were like, I can't tell what this is. It's like a 10 year old blurry flip phone photo. Can you, can you update it? And so, uh, I have updated the photos, but I have a place in my heart for food that looks real. Yes, because I feel like on social, we just don't see that anymore right. because like people like yourself and these foodies and chefs like have these production teams and like you said, the equipment, but it's, that's amazing that you have like the OG photos that you're like, I know where I came from and that I've, this is relatable I'll send you content. a few. I'll send you a few of my favorites. Wait, we, we'll have Chelsea post them on our Instagram, on okay. our page to share, because I think that's so important. <laughs> like if Sam and I yeah. get this feedback a lot too, that this mm-hmm. is actually something we're going to talk about in our intro, but you know, somebody recently listened to our first episode ever. It's there for people to listen to, but we've changed <laughs> we've done a lot of growth since then, you know, (laughs) and that's a beautiful thing like that. I think that should be celebrated. Well, needless to say, they didn't have kind things to say, but (laughs) we're proud of where we are now. And I do want to bring it back home in this conversation to your book, because I'm looking at your page. I want to make every single one of these recipes, but I, I do think it's important that we ask who is your book for? And if somebody is not vegetarian or vegan, but are, they are interested interested in adding in more color and more plants into their diet. Is this a good choice for them? Absolutely. Actually, in that same survey that I mentioned earlier, I found that 65% of my audience eats meat and they want to introduce more plant foods into their family's lives. So uh, that is my, those are my people. And I, I feel like eating plants has been so beneficial for my gut like inside of me. Um, and I have, is this t- TMI? Is that cool? Is that, uh, I have become more regular. I have like, there, there we are. We talk about that- shit. All okay. Time. Okay. You can talk <laughs> about poop as much as you want. There's yeah, no such yeah, yeah. thing as TMI on this. Podcast. Okay. Well, I love talking about poop. It is one of my favorite things. It's like, uh, I have not everybody feels that way. Some people are like, hey, we can oh, we, a little we bit feel uncomfortable. Okay. <laughs> but you can learn so much from your poop. Like, yeah. Oh really my. yeah. Yeah. Uh I I one of my favorite things about eating more fiber has been my bowel movements. And I uh I want that for the people that I love. Uh so um anyway, the the book is filled with a space for you to make these recipes your own. So it's a base. And then in every recipe, there is a space for you literally that says my tips. Uh, And I want people to go in and write how they changed it based on their own preferences. Did they add a different um, vegetable? Did they add a different protein? Did they add a different, like whatever it is, that's fine. I want people to use these plant-based recipes and tailor them to their own preferences and to their own family's needs. Uh, And I love that about cooking because that was my style of cooking. I went to the library, checked out books uh, and made them my own based on what I had on hand and what I preferred. So 
that's the biggest thing. Then the other part is that there is a photo with every recipe. And I feel like to see what it should look like or what it could look like is important. My my first cookbooks were all just text and it's hard to be excited and inspired when you have to just like sort of read through everything and the ingredients and even the head notes were not as colorful. So uh, there is a photo with every uh, with every recipe, there is information on how to store food. If you are new to cooking and you tend to, I know you mentioned earlier, um, like things go bad in your refrigerator if you don't use them or if you don't plan on using, you don't pl- make a plan to use them. I give some tips on how to extend food uh, so it doesn't go bad and so you're not like, throwing your money in the garbage uh, as you throw your food away. Uh, and I also have uh, a meal a meal plan that just shows you what it could look like. You can, again, swap in what you want, but it shows how I eat and how you can not get tired of something if you're eating it often. You can switch up the days and make sure that not you didn't eat it every day. You ate it every three days and you ate it three times in a week or something like that. So there, there is information, there are recipes, and there are uh, tips to make it your own. I'm obsessed with this. And I just would like everybody to understand that this book is for everyone who wants to poop better. That's all. Yes. Yes. Yes, Oh my gosh. I love that. That might need to be the The title of the episode, but like, (laughs) I honestly think it'll get more clicks. So it might do, do us all justice here. One question I want to ask, and Jenna, you can prep your answer while Tony gives us her answer first. I have stalked your page and found a recipe that I want to walk away and try. And it looks so easy and I feel like it'd be so good for lunches, but I want to ask you what's your favorite recipe currently in your book. Um, and then Jenna, I want you to prep, like looking at her page, which one looks like your most favorite. And then I'm going to share mine at the end. I have a recipe in there called sopa de fideo, which is like a, a, a soupy pasta dish. It's, think angel hair pasta that's broken up into little pieces. And I, in mine, include um, onion, garlic, zucchini, and black beans. And it's a it's a Mexican dish, and I have had different variations. My grandma used to put cheese in hers. Uh, but I love it. And when I eat it, it makes me feel like I'm in a big warm hug from my grandma because she she fed it to me all the time growing up and I try to include little stories in all in a lot of the head notes of the recipes on how I came up with a recipe or why it's important to me and how I want others to feel like that warm warmth and comfort um of my family too I love that answer so much because that is what food is about. And like, that's how food should make you feel is that warm hug from grandma um, or just spark a memory or a moment in your life. And I feel like the culture that we live in today, that is so not prioritized. So thank you for bringing that back into the conversation and for sharing it with so many people. And to answer Sam's question, these tachos look insane. Did I take yours, Sam? I feel like you would love these. Um, But the tater tot tachos, like, oh my God, they look amazing. Such a great idea. And I can't wait to try. (laughs) 
That is hilarious because Jenna, I hate tater tots. <gasps> um, and we'll we'll cover that in a different episode. <laughs> There's food trauma uh, there. Um, but uh, mine actually mimics Tony's is um, like a warm hug from my yaya. So I'm Greek and your um, Greek Mediterranean quinoa salad mm-hmm. looks so easy and so yummy. And to have like a big vat of that in the fridge to have for lunch. So it just has the quinoa, the kale, beans, kalamata, olives, tomatoes. You could do feta in there depending on, again, if vegan or not. But um, that looks delicious. What's so fun about those types of meals is that you can swap out any of it. Don't have Kalamata olives, add black olives. You don't have kale, add spinach, like, or don't include it. It's really so customizable that you don't have to go out and buy things all the time. Sometimes you just have quinoa and a few vegetables and you can throw it together. And it's a similar experience. I feel like we could talk about food forever. I know. Now. I'm this getting very hungry. Never... <laughs> I know. I'm so hungry now. So tell our listeners, Tony, if they want to learn more about you, they want to find some of your beautiful recipes online, or maybe they can find the sneak peek of the 10-year-old I've, or phone pictures. Um, where can they get your book? Where can they find you? You can find me at plantbasedonabudget.com and you can find my book at plantbasedonabudgetcookbook.com and on Instagram at plantbasedonabudget. And if you look hard enough on plantbasedonabudget.com, you will find some really questionable photos and you're going to wonder, what is that? Huh? Okay. Yeah, I could see that sort of. We all start somewhere. <laughs> we all have to start somewhere. Yes. Wait, Tony, and- before we let you leave though, you're also food sharing vegan. Is that you? That's you as well, right? That is me as well. I started plant-based on a budget in, um, I guess, yeah, 11 years ago, 11 years ago. And for 11 years, I've been talking about one thing, but I also felt like as my life has changed, my eating has also changed. And I I still want to stay true to people who are looking for budget recipes, but I also eat things like tachos. And uh, I didn't put that on plant-based on a budget. I put that on food sharing vegan because um, I, I was, I didn't, Peel the peel the potatoes and make them into tachos. I purchased like four dollar tacho, uh, or sorry, tater tots, tater tots, and um, that was the base. So sometimes there are ingredients that are prepped in there or store bought, and not as budget friendly. And that's why I started a second brand so that people who are in need of saving money or who want to save money and that's their priority have a place that is still for them. Well, you're incredibly inspiring to have two accounts with so many followers, like just amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all of you with us today. Um, And I can't wait to start cooking. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you both. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all of your friends and faves, and don't forget to rate and review and let us know what you want to hear more of. The more we hear from you, the more that we can make these episodes exactly what you want. We would also love to connect with you on Instagram at whatTheActualForkPod. 
We promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics, greatest guests, and the most fun you can possibly have fighting diet culture bullshit. We love you, we appreciate you, and we will see you next week for more fun.